Talking Taiwan has been on hiatus and as we relaunch this year, we'll be sharing previously unreleased episodes like this one I did with author Joe Henley. This interview was done in September of 2017. Here it is. You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. My guest on today's episode of Talking Taiwan is a freelance writer, journalist, author, and musician, Joe Henley. Joe is the author of two books, Sons of the Republic and Busan Busu. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hi, Felicia. Thanks for having me. Great. So, Joe, can you start off by telling me about your latest novel, Busan Busu? Yeah, this story is about a punk band in Taipei. It, uh, it follows the band. There are a bunch of young guys. And they're basically trying to come to terms or reconcile their identities as punks. That's their, you know, their adopted identity versus their cultural identity as Taiwanese and the societal pressures they have to conform and to do all those things that are considered quote unquote normal and things that are expected of them and also the familial pressures that they have to, you know, grow up, get a good job, provide for their parents in their old age and that sort of thing. So that's uh, that's basically, uh, that's a basic outline of the story, I would say. Um, so ca can you tell me a little bit about the title as well for our listeners who are not familiar with this? Where does the title of the novel come from? Well, the title means, for those who aren't familiar, it means not three, not four. And it's a phrase used here uh, in Taiwan to refer to people who don't, fit in. It's like saying, well, what are you? You're not three, you're not four, you're not anything. So, you know, the pressures here to conform are quite large. You're supposed to, uh, you're supposed to, you know, grow up, get a job, and then work. And that's, that's basically it. So if you don't do that, if you do things that are outside of that and considered strange, like if you, if you're an artist or if, if you're a musician, sometimes people will say, well, you're not three, you're not four. Just It's just a way of saying that people don't fit in or they're doing something that's considered weird. So I thought that uh, I asked, I consulted with my, my wife, Jill Sue. She's a photographer here and also a translator. And I said, what's a good way to describe somebody who doesn't fit in? And then she uh, she told me a few different things. This was one of them, and I just thought that would be a good title for it. So uh, that's that's what it ended up being. Oh, great. And so how much of this um, is based on your own life? Because you're also a musician, right? You, you're you a vocalist, and you've been a vocalist in uh, several Taipei punk rock bands, right? Um, so how much of this is based on reality and fiction or experiences that you've gone through as a musician yourself? Yeah, like I've, I've mostly been in metal bands. I, I was also in a punk band for a little mm -hmm. while here. But yeah, for, for the past basically 11 years, I've been playing in bands. So a lot of the things in the book are things that have happened to me or things that have happened to my friends or my bandmates, people in the music scene here. And I'm not taking particular events and just retelling them, but I've, I've changed a lot of things around. There's, you know, stories that you hear when you're kind of coming up in the underground music scene, you know, gossip or mm -hmm. stories that as a writer before, like in my capacity as, say, a reporter for the Taipei Times or something, these were stories that I couldn't print or that I couldn't tell. 
maybe because there were criminal elements involved that could get people I know in trouble, or perhaps they could even get me in trouble. But if I fictionalize them and put them in a, like a, a fictionalized tale, then I can tell these stories. So a lot of the things from the book are things that actually happened, but I've gone and changed the details around slightly just to and to fit them into a narrative. Ah, oh, that's really intriguing. So this partly comes from your writing as a journalist because you write about music. Yeah, yeah. For a few years, I was working for the Taipei Times. Before that, I had a website with a friend, uh, my friend Mark Mitchell. We did a website called Taipei Metal because uh-huh. we realized there was not basically no information in English about metal and punk bands from Taiwan. So we set out to fill that void. So we were covering the scene. So for a number of years, I was covering the scene either online or in print. And yeah, I would, I would hear a lot of stories and not all of them I could print. So one day I thought, well, okay, I'm going to write a book, but I'm not going to make it a nonfiction type of thing. I'm right. going to write a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So is that website, Taipei Metal, still around? Can people still find it? No. I'm, I used to have like an in-house job at a publishing firm oh. here. I was an editor. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, that freed up a lot of my time during the day because, you know, if I finished my what I was supposed to be doing there, then I could surreptitiously move on to other things mm-hmm. that perhaps I wasn't supposed to be doing in the office, but <laughs> I did them anyway. Right. Then in 2012, I went freelance full-time, so if I was spending time on a labor of love like Taipei Metal, then I wasn't uh, getting paid anymore, so I ran out of time, unfortunately, so the website no longer exists, it's been uh, relegated to the dustbin of the internet. Oh, okay, and I'm curious, since you're a vocalist and a writer, do you ever combine the two, like, do you write songs yourself? I'm a lyricist. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in all the bands I've been in, there's been usually the guitar player actually writes the riffs. They write mm-hmm. the songs. I've always written the lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wrote lyrics even before I was even in bands. I would just sit around at home and mess around and write. Well, I guess without a actual music, I guess they might be poetry, bad poetry, but <laughs> I would sit around and write lyrics. But then finally, when I joined bands, well, then I finally had the music to go along with with the words. So yeah, I, I do, uh, I do combine them. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and I was kind of curious because I read a synopsis of this book that hints that while the band's living this punk lifestyle, that they're, it's hinting that they're secretly yearning for more, like to make it big and to seek fame. And so as a musician and a writer yourself, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm a writer, so I'm sure you ask these questions, like, why do you perform or create your music or your writing? Like, is it expression, or are you are you is is fame important to you? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody who does something creative they ask that question, you know, at least once, and maybe even once a day. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> it's you're it's that's again something that the artist has to reconcile with themselves. Are you doing it for the art's sake? Are you doing it for the writing's sake? Or what? What's your motivation, basically? I mean, I'm sure none of us get into this thinking, hey, I'd like to be poor, you know, like, I would like to, I mean, the struggle is definitely part of it for everybody, and I think it's an important part of it, because it's, you know, you, it's trial by fire, you have to get it, you have to jump into that crucible, basically, and and see what you're made of, you know, for me, speaking personally, if one day I could still do exactly what I want, 
and not be compromised in any way and make some decent money out of it, I probably wouldn't say no. If that same scenario happened, but somebody was saying, well, you know, we've got to take this part of what you do out. You've got to stop doing this. If, if somebody else tried to start controlling me, I would hope I would have the, the fortitude to turn it down. Mm-hmm. These characters in the book, they're having the same struggle as well. I mean, they've been in the underground, and underground means no money or very little. But there's a lot of pressure on them, especially here, you know, where unless you work for the government, you don't have a pension. Your kids are your pension, and these guys are young guys, and they're getting that pressure from their parents. They're like, okay, what are, what are we going to do when, when we get old? How are we going to survive? So they've got that yearning deep within them to perhaps make it big so they can make money off their art and still do those things that they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long did it take, how long did you have this idea before you started writing the book and how long did it take you to write it? I'm not sure when the idea uh, first struck. I guess a few years ago, I actually started writing something that was uh, nonfiction, just um, mm-hmm. stories yeah. of myself, you know, being a young kid, uh, young guy coming over here and joining bands and uh, my experiences navigating cultural differences because I came over here and I joined bands with Taiwanese guys. So I was the lone foreigner, usually in these groups that I was in. So I started doing that and then I kind of dropped it. And then I thought, okay, well, what if I write a short story about a Taiwanese band? And I started writing a short story and I quickly realized that a short story would not be enough. I had too much material. I had too many things that I wanted to say. I think it was a matter of months to do the first draft. Usually I do my first drafts really fast. Like it, there, There's nothing elegant about them. I just get it down on paper and then chip away through the editing process. The editing process takes way, way longer. I think the editing process took over a year after mm-hmm. that. I see. Great. And so um, why don't you also talk about your first book, which is you know, pretty different from your recent book, your first book, Sons of, Re- Sons of the Republic. And so... It has something to do with uh, Kiemen, right? So for those who haven't been to Kiemen, could you describe it and tell us a little bit about it? And when was the first time that you visited? I've actually never been there. One of my and my wife's friends is from there. Okay. I, I can't remember when I first heard about it, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's it's right by China, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. it's, it's it's over by, uh, by Xiamen. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to my desk job days. Towards the end of my uh, my tenure there at the publishing company, and I was about to turn 30, and I had always thought, I always considered myself a writer, but I had never written a book. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a certain amount of panic with certain age milestones. <laughs> right. With 30 coming up for me, I was like, oh, man, like I, I haven't done it yet. Uh-huh. So I sat down and I just started writing a story and it started uh-huh. at Jin and then it started with a body uh-huh. washing up uh-huh. against a, against a, a ship uh-huh. in the Jin Men Harbor. And I uh-huh. just kind of went from there. I think a couple of weeks or maybe a few weeks after I started writing that story at work, I had actually quit that job to go freelance. And the first thing I did was I didn't work freelance at all. I sat at home for two months and I wrote that book. I wrote the first draft oh, wow. of that. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a story born of, uh, of panic and of fear. <laughs> right. And I think that informed 
the tone because you know it's it's a murder mystery it's a it's a political thriller it mm -hmm. deals with a, mm -hmm. a potential chinese invasion of of taiwan mm -hmm. which you know to a certain uh, degree is is always a threat uh, mm -hmm. here in taiwan and i wanted to put a story like that out in english and hopefully you know gain more attention for taiwan that way and also it was for myself it was to try and prove you know can i actually be a writer? Can I write a book? Mm -hmm. Can I write something at mm -hmm. length? And so that, there was a lot of different factors that went into forming that one. Right. So writing a book was something that was on your bucket list then? Well, yeah, it's like, it's what I always wanted to do. And my 20s kind of flew by in a haze. I was busy playing in bands and just working and that sort of thing. And for some reason, it just fell by the wayside. And I, I woke up and I was few weeks removed from my 30th birthday and I was like well if I haven't done it by now when am I going to do it so I better I better sit mm -hmm. down and get this done or I'm going to be one of those saddled people on a bar stool talking about how it could have happened but it didn't and then you, ne well, you never you. want you never want mm -hmm. to be that yeah you yeah. never want to be that right yeah so do, do you have a, a third book in the works because the editing process for Busan Busu was uh, was so long, you know, it was a year, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit longer. Uh -huh. I, I never just kind of sit around and wait for that to finish. Like, I don't want to just be editing. I need to be writing all the time. So I've actually got two two more that are done, basically. Wow, great. That I'm uh, now in the process of pitching to publishing companies or agents things like that. So um, I'm, I'm always working on the next thing. So even while I'm, you know, trying to promote Busan Busu mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and pitching these other two, then I'm also working on the next book after that. So I'm, wow. I'm always kind of pushing, mm -hmm. pushing forward, uh, trying, mm -hmm. trying to evolve uh, mm -hmm. as a writer. Mm -hmm. Nice. So can you talk a little bit about the upcoming books? Or? In my uh, freelance career, one of the things that I've keyed on or focused on in my work is having to do with human rights and uh, specifically writing stories about uh, migrant workers mm -hmm. in Taiwan and the, the mm -hmm. hardships that they face here um, because they work under a different set of laws right. because they are faced with you know lower pay and, and faced with uh, a system that does discriminate uh, mm -hmm. against them. So I, I wanted mm -hmm. to help tell their stories and get this information out there to, you know, hopefully expedite some sort of positive change. Right. And so in the, it was kind of the same thing with Busan Busu, which is, you know, I was living in the punk scene or in the metal scene, and I right. kind of turned that into a book. So when I was hearing all these stories, I went out and talked to a whole lot of people who were migrant workers from mm -hmm. Philippines, from mm -hmm. Vietnam, Indonesia, mm -hmm. and they would be very candid in, in sharing their stories of hardship and their struggles with me. And I turned those into a bunch of articles published uh, here and there out in Taiwan, Taipei Times, South China Morning Post, that sort of thing. But then eventually I thought, okay, well, I can, I can take these stories and I can turn them into, again, a fictionalized story to to put all the information basically in one place. So I can take the real information, like the, the way that they're being exploited, the way that the laws are basically against them, mm -hmm. and the discriminations that they face. I can put that all into one story of one migrant worker who comes from the Philippines to Taiwan to work as a fisherman. Mm -hmm. and, I can, and I can put all the little details into 
his story and the supporting cast. What I'm hoping, and this is this is far down the road now. I'm still tightening it up, and then I'm going to pitch this this thing. Mm-hmm. What I'm hoping is to take a major portion of the proceeds and uh, donate them to advocacy groups for migrant worker rights mm-hmm. here in Taiwan. So that's that's my plan with it. A lot of things have oh, to happen great. because mm-hmm. the main character is Filipino, and obviously right. I am not. I'm not mm-hmm. Filipino, so mm-hmm. what I'm going to do before any of that happens is I'm going to have my friends from the migrant worker community here read it over. Yeah, make sure I've done it justice. Make right. sure I've portrayed them in a way that is accurate and mm-hmm. and correct. Mm-hmm. And then uh, hopefully move on from there. That, but that's that's my goal. I want to use the story to shine a spotlight on the issue, but also to raise some money for some groups that I feel are. are Underfunded right, or right. or not funded at all. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a great idea! Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Then you had another book. Can you talk about that one? You had uh, in the works. The other one is is completely different. Um, there's 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 nothing noble about <laughs> this other one. Uh-huh. Or, or there's no there's no pretense to nobility uh-huh. in it. It 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 came from a weird place because I work from home. I I treat my my uh, job still is like a nine to five. So I, you know, I uh-huh. start work usually by eight or nine in the morning, right. have lunch at noon. And then, but after lunch now, I usually take like a 10 to 15 minute power nap. Uh-huh. And just one day I, and I'm usually during, after these power naps, I'm awoken by a stress dream. Like I get a really weird dream where my brain is trying to shock me awake because my brain is basically saying, get back to work, stop being lazy. You know, oh boy. So it's like a back. recurring dream. <laughs> Or yeah, well, it's, it's but it's different every time. And this uh-huh. this one day, this, this stress dream, it was about a girl from from where I'm from. It was about a a teenage girl from Saskatchewan mm-hmm. who founds a movement whereby people willingly uh, decide that you know humanity has had its time. We've messed up the planet, so mm-hmm. we should all stop reproducing. Mm-hmm. And she ends up being so charismatic and so persuasive that people just start following her. They agree, and they peacefully decide to end the human race. They don't decide, okay, we need a doomsday event. We need to, you know, by military force, mm-hmm. we need to seize the world's nuclear codes and just launch mm-hmm. all the nuclear. People just decide, okay, we're just going to stop. Humanity is just going to stop, and you know, gradually the population is going to taper off, and that's going to be it. We're going to make room for Earth 2.0, and humans are going to have nothing to do with it. I'm not sure where this dream came mm-hmm. from, or why I was feeling so. <laughs> it sounds super dark, and it it is a dark story, but I kind of made it like absurdist, like kind of like a Kurt Vonnegut type mm-hmm. of thing. But yeah, that all came to me in this stress dream. Huh. And I woke up and I I wrote it all down. Right. And then I started writing it, and it turned into this like hundred and ten thousand word uh, story. Wow! Wow! That it just and again that came out in like a couple of months, and um, I'm I'm pitching it now, so right, I'm, tr- I'm right, trying right. trying to get an agent. Yeah. No. Yeah. It sounds dark, but I think a lot of people could really relate to that because you know it's a very common theme, you know. The, global warming, climate change, all the things that uh, humans are doing uh, 
to the earth and uh, the things that are happening all around the world. Sometimes you wonder, you do wonder about the human race. So I'm sure there's a lot of interesting commentary on that in your book. Yeah, like all that stuff is factored in uh, and presented. It's it's it, it basically over the course of it, it presents everything we've done wrong over the <laughs> course of human history. Mm-hmm. In a serious way, but also in kind of a humorous way, just like mm-hmm. just showing how absurd our priorities are, I guess, would be the main of the story. Um, mm-hmm. How short term our thinking is, mm-hmm. the way we kind of prioritize short term profit over long term benefits for the mm-hmm. whole of society. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to find a home for that. Uh, if not, maybe I'll self-publish it. I've I've not gone the self-publishing route yet, so I'm not. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe I'm too insecure to do that. I need somebody to say, okay, this is good. I want to put it out, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Oh yeah, that's a whole different ball game. But it's so much yeah. um, easier and doable to self-publish these days. Yeah. So what would you? What advice would you have to give for any aspiring authors or people who are thinking that they want to write a book? You know, the the best advice I ever saw, like, was from Pierre Burton, and a Canadian author. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a book called The Joy of Writing, which my, my <laughs> grandma got me, like, years and years uh-huh. and years ago. And I read it, but the one thing that I always took away from it, he's got one piece of advice, and it just says, read, 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 write, write, write. So uh-huh. that's that's all you, if you want to be a writer, that's all you got to do. I mean, read every day, write every day, mm-hmm. and you're a writer. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much um, for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to me. I've been speaking with Joe Henley, who is a freelance writer, journalist, author, and musician. To learn more about Joe, visit www.jwhenley.com. Be sure to check out our website, TalkingTaiwan.com, to read our show notes. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lee. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.